But let's kick the country off with the Minister of Agriculture and Trade, Damien O'Connor. Damien, you and I are of a similar generation. I think you might have one year on me. My first year of voting was 1978. I was 18 years of age and I've never forgiven my mother for this, but she convinced me to vote social credit. Who, was, who did no. you vote for in your first election? Well, I think it was, it was Bill Rowling. It was um, back then because he was a, a friend, actually, of the family. He'd, he'd lived in Westport, my hometown, and so there was a lot of kind of loyalty uh, connected to him. And indeed, his family come from Motueka. So he, uh, yeah, it was a good man. It was pretty tough times, though, interesting times. I would have had you down as a closet Tory when you were 16 or 18. No, I mean the carryover Muldoon was hard to like, and uh, he'd, he'd, you know, caused a lot of disruption around the place. And indeed, you know, it wasn't sorted out until, you know, there's a lot of subsidies, a lot of money coming into farming. I think it was fourteen dollars for a a calf per calf when I was raising. We were raising about seven hundred and fifty of them, um, in in the uh, Greta Valley actually. So it, there was some re- strange things going on in agriculture, of course, and uh, those subsidies came off in the eighties. And I think we were told to focus on productive returns on our farming operations, not for capital gains. And in a roundabout way, Roger Douglas did New Zealand agriculture a great favour. But I say, and I still stick with this, he went too hard and too early, used a big stick when he could have used a carrot. And I wrote a column in the Herald recently about it saying, perhaps uh, you, you, the current government, is the most unpopular with farmers since the Longy Douglas government. Am I being unfair, Damien? Well, I think, you know, the, the transition was pretty blunt. It was brutal. I don't think you, you, you can't, you know, you talk about carrots, I think it's unrealistic, you know, to do something like that. Um, it was pretty brutal, um, and for, for not as many farmers as was predicted, and, and uh, but it was, I'm not, I'm not diminishing the impact on many. And of course, you know, again, the banks had, had continued to fund farmers into, you know, what were unreali- unrealistic land values, and uh, we've just got to be careful that we haven't ended up in a similar situation, and that we you know, costs come and go. There's always got to be a bit of headroom in any business operation, and uh, you know that that's the, the the world is full of disruptions. Resilience is needed in any business, be it big or small, um, you know, or whatever industry you're in. Damien, I was at a farm meeting or a meeting of a farm that I'm involved with down in Southland last night, and we were discussing all sorts of things, including, believe it or not, the prospect of carbon farming. I'm hearing anecdotally that the banks are falling over themselves to lend to farmers to go carbon farming, planting, planting some of their land, good or bad, uh, into trees. Are we, are we sending the right signals here? Well, I guess, you know, they fell over themselves for quite a long time to, far, uh, to fund just dairy. Uh, it was very hard to, to get money for any other farming operation there for a while, um, and it still might be harder in dry stock. So we've had these trends come and go, um, throwing money, a lot of money gone into hops. Um, you know, it, 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 banks have always been kind of fair-weather friends to whatever sectors. I went through a period uh, when I was in tourism, they didn't fund small tourism businesses, not at all. And so, you know, we... we as long as we depend on that source of funding, um, then then we have to you know accept that there'll be the, uh, uh, the winds of, of uh, flavour and and uh, will come and go. Just before we get to these or, or the response to the response from the Hewaka Ekanoa submissions, I just want to go back to that voting age. It will be a conscious vote, conscience vote in Parliament. Which way will you vote? 
I've said I'll, I'll support 16 actually because I've I've watched it over many years and you know as I said to one of the media people you know when I was at school we had all the information came from schools from our teachers from what we learned at lessons there was a little bit on TV and a bit on newspapers now kids have access to that many uh, avenues of information that they are flooded with it you know their ability to work out what's right and wrong is and, and what's misinformation and not is, is maybe you know still something they have to learn but they have all that information and and they are focused on the future often more so uh, that the people at the latter end of their lives and and I think you know we do have to look to to that future and so you know give them a chance uh, plus if they engage early on in a sensible way um, with, with politics you know, maybe they'll continue on with that interest and we might have a higher level of voting. Damien, but isn't this just a cynical ploy from the centre-left, particularly the Green Party, because they know that the majority of those 16 to 18-year-old votes will probably swing their way? Look, this wasn't from the Green Party. You know, this is a, a judgment from court that's kind of sparked this most recent discussion. Um, and so, you know, let, let's have the discussion. And I don't know where it will end up. That's my personal opinion at this point. I haven't heard extensive um, discussion or, or conversation or consultation on it. So there's probably a lot of points that I haven't thought of. And I think that's every one of us has, has a responsibility not to lock in now, um, you know, what, we, what, what we'll vote for eventually but to put our position and listen to the arguments. Now, I know that you've been overseas, offshore with the Prime Minister at APEC. James Shaw's been at uh, COP27, probably a complete waste of time. So you won't have had time to read all the submissions that have come in around Hiwaka Ekanoa, will you? And if you read them, will you do anything about them? I certainly won't read all the submissions, but they will be read um, by officials going through them, um, and I'll certainly get a good summary of, of the key points that are being made in them. 11,500, I think, so that's quite a number. Um, you know, the 10,500 were kind of standard ones that, you know, if you read one, you've read them all, but there's, you know, there's a, a thousand substantive submissions in there, so they do have to be read and considered, and there are questions in, um, you know, the proposal that we put out that we want to, to get some feedback on. So, you know, it's a, it is a genuine consultation process. Well, you asked for submissions on three waters, <laughs> you read them, and then you came back with five waters. Oh, who's, who's talking about five waters, Jamie? You, you, Nanaya you is. Barry Soper. Barry Soper. No, no, Nanaya no, is talking about, about five that. waters. She is not. That is absolute rubbish. She is not talking about five waters and never has been. This is a construct that's come from one of your media mates. <laughs> so this is all the fault of the media? No, no, I'm just saying that's where it's come from. But basically you've just, you've, you, you've just ignored the submission process around three waters. You are hell-bent as a government to drive this through. This is a legacy issue for you. And I worry for the farmers of New Zealand that the same thing might happen around uh, agricultural emissions. Look, you're conflating a whole lot of things. Firstly, there has been a consultation process on the three waters, and, and there is a lot of opinion on it, but one of the, the, I guess, the questions is, if this doesn't go ahead, then can councils around the country afford to invest what they need to to give us safe drinking water, to sort out our sewage systems, and make sure that stormwater doesn't, doesn't pollute um, you know, all our waterways? And I think those of us in the rural areas, if you have a look at the cities, there's massive issues of, of pollution through stormwater mismanagement. They should sort it out. Wouldn't it be cheaper and easier just to lend those local authorities who are behind the eight ball on water infrastructure, I don't know, an interest-free loan or something over a 50-year period to get it right rather than drag in 
every uh, territorial authority around the country and then drag in this co-governance thing, which is really the issue that is sticking in the craw for most people. You must well, get that the, feedback. The, the, the co-governance issue, yes, has been, has been put up by some people as being absolutely something they oppose. Look, if you talk to the councils and what we have through the treaty is an obligation to consult and often it ends up being co-governance, be it, whether it be the Waikato River or whether it be just the fact that councils now have people on their councils from local iwi, that's co-governance. So, you know, the construct of how you do that is, you know, is, is being worked through. So nothing's final there. But I think most people in New Zealand realise that we have a treaty obligation to the people who were here when, when our Irish, my Irish ancestors came here, you know, and, and we formed a treaty, it's a legal agreement, and we're following through on that. Let's just finish on APEC. What did you make of that? Well, I, I firstly, we had a trade mission into Vietnam, actually, which is a really exciting market for us. And, and uh, you know, 80 million people there, a huge number of them young. Uh, they share many of our values. And if we can develop the markets there, uh, that's going to be a huge advantage. APEC... Um, it's an economic forum, 19 economies in the uh, Asia-Pacific region. We chaired it last year. We got some consensus. We drove um, progress in the WTO, um, progress with, with COVID vaccines. And this year, um, it, w it wasn't the same outcome, but we reached consensus on, on uh, things like uh, you know, peace and stability, uh, supply chains, and, and things that where we can cooperate. It's not easy when you've got Russia, you've got China and US in the room, but the fact that we, we did make progress is, is a huge benefit to us all in a world of, of you know, tension and, in some areas, open conflict. Yeah, OK. Look, it's probably fair and good that our Prime Minister got some face time with the US President and the Chinese Premier. But let's just finish on COP27. Your mate James was over there. I would love, Damien, to know the carbon footprint of that event because basically they've achieved bugger all and they've delayed most of the decisions to COP28, which will be another cop out next year. Well, I, it is no, You can't argue with that. And I guess it, you know, I, I, I'm not arguing with it. I'm saying that it's a shame that you do have a lot of people who are a bit cynical around the world, and sometimes you seem a bit like that. Um, those people, you know, ha have their views portrayed at, at places like COP. It does slow down the progress that actually most of us know has to happen. You know, we've got to focus on this area. We have to help one another. Um, but, but often, as happens, there are lobbyists, there are people with self-interest who stick their bloody spanner in the works, and, and, it, and, and it prevents progress, and that's unfortunate. Damien O'Connor, thanks for your time on the country. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Jamie. Oh, yeah, one more before I go. Can I get you? Are you still there? Jamie. Yeah, yeah. Yes, hey, yes. oh, sorry, I'll turn down Dr. Hook from... Was that a Freudian slip of you to be photographed in front of the pine trees on your motorbike when you came back from APEC? Well, look, I, it's, it's a local pine forest. It's probably on its third rotation of pine trees. It's open to people on motorcycles who, who get a sticker and, and go responsibly. I'd been reading for six hours, cabinet papers. I hopped on my bike and I went for an hour's ride and I thought, yes, what's wrong with being photographed and saying back down doing something normal? There you go. We can send that photo all around the world because that's what tourism will look like in the future, will it, Damien? I, I, I doubt it. I think that, you know, if you have a look around, hop down to South Westland, um, hop down to Fiordland, um, actually hop out into the uh, Mackenzie Basin. It's not all like that, Jamie. Good on you. Thank you very much for your time, Damien O'Connor. Always a good sport here on the country.